Yo, this is Sam Sports Podcast. Today it is Wednesday, January 25th, 2017. How's everybody doing out there? I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. Me and Shaka are back on the podcast to break down the craziness or really lack of craziness that took place this past weekend. Shaka, how you doing today, man? I'm great. Uh, a little disappointed this past weekend, but you know what? Uh, the two best teams are in the Super Bowl, and I think we got the matchup that we deserve. Yeah, you know, that's that's what I'm thinking, too, is... is you know, even though those these these two games this past weekend, they did not have the same degree of fireworks that uh, we saw from the Cowboys-Packers game from the weekend before. To brief everybody out there, whether you've been living under a rock or not, uh, the New England Patriots and the Atlanta Falcons are going to the Super Bowl. That will be your matchup. But we did see both of those teams uh, kind of obliterate their opponents this past weekend. Would you agree with that assessment, Shaka? Kind of strange. Uh, you know, cream rises to the top. I just didn't expect it to rise so quickly. I, uh, dude, you, I, I, I couldn't have put it better myself. I was, okay, let's, let's jump right in with the Falcons-Packers game. So, Atlanta Falcons absolutely annihilated the Packers 44-21. to Do not be deceived by that score. It was 24-0 at the half, ladies and gentlemen. Um, this, this Falcons team had complete control from the beginning of the game. I mean, pretty much so. They did whatever they wanted to do on offense. And the Packers, you know, listen, they could have stayed in it with them, but the first two drives for the Packers ended with a missed field goal and a fumble in the red zone. And, I mean, at that point, the Falcons were off to the races and they were up 17 nothing, and then 24 nothing, and there was kind of no looking back. Um, Chaka, g- give me some first reactions from this game. What are the things that jumped out at you? Okay, um, I mean, that, that, that Aaron Murkowski uh, fumble near the goal line was, that was, that effort, that hurt him a lot, I think. I mean, that I felt like, like a nail in the coffin to me. Yeah, that, I think that knocked the wind, what wind there was left in the sails out. Mm-hmm. Um, also credit to an Atlanta defense, which by Super Bowl standards hasn't really been historic or really acclaimed, mm-hmm. but you know what? they did a great job. Yeah. They didn't totally obliterate him, but he was not comfortable in the pocket. And even scrambling, he still did not look set. Or he didn't have that, you know, traditional Aaron Rodgers at poise throwing the football. Mm, mm. I um I feel very much that this game. Okay, you know we've talked throughout this whole season. I think the talk of the town throughout the season was the Dallas Cowboys. It was Aaron Rodgers running the table. It was Tom Brady's suspension and, and the brilliance that is the New England Patriots. It was Levy and Bell. It was all of these stories, but yet continually the unspoken story was this Atlanta Falcons team. You know, when we talked about on this podcast uh, before the playoffs started how they were one of the top 10 greatest offenses ever and how, you know, it was sort of hard to, to throw Matt Ryan in there as an MVP candidate when everybody was shouting for Aaron Rodgers and Ezekiel Elliott and, and Derek Carr. <laughs> and, you know, we came out of it, and now we're sitting here with the Atlanta Falcons going to the Super Bowl, and I don't want to necessarily talk about the brilliance of their offense. We're going to, Shaka. You know we're going to talk about how amazing their offense is, Kyle Shanahan, the fact that Matt Ryan has thrown touchdowns to 13 different receivers this year, or the fact that he's threw 
passes to nine different receivers in the first half of this NFC Championship game. But I think the thing we need to focus on is this Falcons defense, and you nailed it. This is not a Super Bowl-caliber defense. This is not the defense that scared us like the Broncos did last year with Von Miller and, and Malik Jackson and all these names. But this is a defense that's littered with young guys that nobody really knows, that really haven't made a name for themselves yet, who ended up getting better over the course of the season. And from the bye week on, they've been better than average. And I think we really saw it in this game. Would you agree? I'd say so. Um, you know, Atlanta's not really, you know, a major market team. So I think that can mm-hmm. kind of attribute to the fact that they really haven't gotten a lot of the acclaim that they've, you know, they deserve at this point. Yeah. But when you look at some of the pieces they have on defense, which really isn't, again, it's not claimed, but you've got Dwight Freeney, who's old as dirt. Just yeah. yeah, Dwight but, Freeney you know, is very, very understatedly kicking ass on this defense. He's still around, he's still, he's still fearsome, he's still got these great swim moves, and can still get to the quarterback or at least put pressure on him. And, and you know, and I, I remember his days, his magical days with the Colts, when, you know, we had Peyton Manning in his heyday, and Dwight Freeney was that leader of that defense when everything kind of went through him and Robert Mathis mm-hmm. on the other side. Mm-hmm. You know? So I think, again, they're not a major market team, so he doesn't really, you know, get a lot of that claim. And to play with the Cardinals, you know, last year, or sorry, 2015, he had eight sacks, which is still pretty damn good for yeah. any defense. Don't take that from anybody production-wise. So, I mean, not as many sacks this year, but still, still respectable. On the defensive side, I think Atlanta's gotten better over the course of the season. They weren't so great start, you know, but as time goes on, they get more and more and more like cohesive and fearsome. And look, they're in the Super Bowl, so they're doing something right. Yeah, and you know, these things are sort of jumping out to me. Like what I'm seeing now with this Atlanta defense makes me think about Malcolm Butler uh, on the Patriots defense. Nobody knew who the fuck Malcolm Butler was until he picked that interception of Russell Wilson to win the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. And ever since then, you know, it's been pretty... Now we know who Malcolm Butler is. Now, you know, listen, maybe he's not Darrell Rivas, but he's a very good cornerback, secondary yeah. player for the Patriots defense, and he's a, and, but he made his name in that Super Bowl. And I think that we're going to find some... Whether the Falcons win the Super Bowl or not, we're going to find some of these young studs. And not listen, not just Vic Beasley... Not just Dwight Freeney, you know, not just Jonathan Babineau, some of these older guys who've been there forever, but we got to start talking about, you know, these unnamed, these guys who you don't know the names of, like Jalen Collins and Keanu Neal. I mean, these guys are really some of the big difference makers on this defense. And against Aaron Rodgers, they really gave him trouble. I mean, they were rushing hard. They really started to kind of, they had a sense of, you know what, let's not sit back and, and try to wait for him to throw on us, we're just going to bring everything in the kitchen sink and throw it at him and try to disrupt his timing as much as possible and see what we can get out of that. And, you know, listen, and, and the first drive, first couple of drives, even though they were getting pressure, you could feel that Aaron Rodgers was still still making headway. Like, to start the game off, he had a couple of these brilliant 20, 30-yard passes to Jordy Nelson and I don't know how Jordy Nelson was even playing with the broken ribs. I can only imagine the pain he was in, but yet he was still making these amazing catches. But I, as I started this conversation out, Shaka, you know, that first drive, as great as it was, ends in a missed field goal. And then he has another great drive, and they fumble the ball. 
And against an offense like the Falcons, you just can't, those two mistakes, that, that sealed the game. It sealed the game. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. And, and again, you know, turnovers are huge. And especially with a team like the Falcons, they can kind of put points on you quickly. And they're, they're, they're notorious for being fast starters with these first quarter scores. You, you, can't, you can't really afford to shoot yourself in the foot with turnovers and, you know, missed opportunities. And, and look, Another defense that's not exactly prolific and, you know, story this season is the Packers D. Yeah. So, you, kinda, you, can't, you can't start in the hole and expect to dig yourself out and then still hold off, you know, the goddamn avalanche that is the Falcons offense. Yeah, so, yeah. It, 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 was, it was hard to watch. And I, I even texted and I said by halftime, I was like, thing's done. Dude, it, it was really rough to see. I mean, it wasn't, it, it was beautiful to watch, but... The Falcons did whatever they wanted to do. The secondary for the Packers, which had kind of been, I mean, they, I mean, they'd let up 31 points to the Dallas Cowboys the week before. I mean, they'd been hanging in there as much as they could, but aside from aside from Haha Clinton Dix, everybody in the secondary was getting destroyed. I mean, you know, Ladarius Gunter and Demarius Randall. I mean, these guys just they could not hang whatsoever with one of the most lethal offenses in the league. And Micah Hyde, who had had brilliant plays the week before, I mean, he goes down with injury. So then you couple that with the fact that injuries just started to eat away at the Packers throughout the game. And as these guys slowly started to go down, I mean, it just started to unravel. It was it was tough, really tough to watch. They did whatever they could. But I mean, when you've got Matt Ryan, and let's talk about this Falcons offense. When you've got Matt Ryan throwing... 30-yard passes to Patrick DeMarco, the fullback, as he's leaking out into the flat. I mean, what the hell are you going to do? And let's not even... let let's We haven't even gotten to Julio Jones. Julio Jones is a freak of nature. That second touchdown, when he caught the ball, shook off two defenders like they were children and ran for daylight, and the camera panned to Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers threw his hands up in the air. When Aaron Rodgers is throwing his hands up in the air in exasperation, uh, you know the game's over at that point. Yeah, that was basically just playing with a dead body at that point. And that was brutal. I mean, there's no other way. It's just, uh, we talked about Julio before. Just an unfair combination of size, power, and speed. Mm-hmm. That he muscled off a defender. And it's just, there should be like sanctions against him for that. It's just not right that he can be that explosive and still that fast, uh, you know. Factor that in with the fact, like you said before, 13 different receivers have touchdowns this year for this Falcon team. So I mean, even if Julian Jones is neutralized, you still got to deal with Mohamed Sanu. You still got to deal with Devonta Freeman. You still got to deal with Kevin Coleman. There's just so many ways they can beat you. Yeah. And, and you throw in Kyle Shanahan's offense. Kyle Shanahan... You know, for those of you listening, it, it's pretty much a done deal that he is going to go be the head coach of the San Francisco 49ers when this season's over. Uh, and I mean, his offense, the things that he's doing, the innovation he's doing, I mean, it's boggling defenses. And now that you've got a passer like Matt Ryan, that you've got a receiver like Julio Jones, that you've got multiple running backs. I mean, you're talking about, you just mentioned Tevin Coleman and, you know, Tevin Coleman's not the only guy they got. Devontae Freeman. I mean, every single piece of this offense can be dangerous. And we haven't even gotten to the fact that Alex Mack is playing center on the offensive line. The offensive line play has really escalated this season with the addition of Alex Mack. And 
I mean, you're seeing them. I mean, they've been burning down defenses all season, and there was no bigger stage. Well, they're going to get a bigger stage when they play in the Super Bowl, but that NFC Championship game, the last game in the Georgia Dome, that was a pretty big stage, and I think also Matt Ryan banished a few demons because there was a few people, or not a few people, quite a few people who didn't really think of him as a top-tier quarterback. Well, I think we can do away with that argument because as far as I'm concerned, he's the MVP this season. I don't think there's an argument anymore. I think it's a fair argument. Um, Also, consider last year uh, there was even some kind of uh, consensus that Matt Ryan had maybe regressed a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, Look, he's been in the league nine years, which for me is kind of surprising. I I had not realized that he'd been around for that long. In Mm -hmm. my head, I think like five or six years. Yeah. But not. The guy's in his prime right now, and, you know, he's doing absolutely amazing things with that offense. Shanahan, uh, God bless, he's got so many good tools to work with. It's hard for me to even say if Kevin Coleman, you know, would be a starter on another team, but I've seen him in the Falcons offense just so seamlessly and so, like, you know, just such a well, well um, placed fit that, it, you know, it, it almost looks like it's unfair. They're super loaded mm-hmm. with talent, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it's amazing. You got two starting running backs. You got the, the marquee wide receiver. Sanu could be a number one on another team, mm-hmm. but he decided the second fiddle. Taylor Gabriel, who was a cast-off on the Cleveland Browns. Oh, my God. Absolute nightmare of a burner. Oh, my God. He can beat you anywhere. Uh, just Austin Hooper, just, the list goes on and on. Just These guys who may not necessarily be stars in their own right on other teams mm-hmm. and put in with this, this Kyle Shanahan offense, and it's just, just cover your eyes. It's, it's a massacre. Fireworks. Fireworks everywhere. Now, let's talk about this Packers team. Okay, let's let's rip apart. So, I think we can say the biggest culprit for their loss was their defense. Their defense started to get hurt. Their defense wasn't playing well. And I mean, but we also need to now look at a little bit of their offense. The offense yeah. got hit by the injury bug, too. You know, the offensive line, which I think had done a pretty darn good job protecting Aaron Rodgers, got pushed around in this game. Uh, I mean, you, you saw. I think it was Tyson Jackson got in there for a sack, and they and when when every when the when the game started to fall apart, you saw the Packers come apart at the seams. I mean, when Aaron Rodgers was sacked, when uh, I can't remember who it might have been Tyson Jackson when he grabbed his foot and like tripped him. I, I mean, there was a sack where literally Aaron Rodgers was about to scramble away, and the defender just kind of caught his toe and sort of tripped him up. I mean, when you saw later in the game. Aaron Rodgers running for a first down, and he got called for a face mask penalty. I mean, that was just, that. to me, that's a sign of you guys are just completely out. You're losing your focus, and the game is over, and now you're just trying to get out of the, you're just trying to get out by saving face at this point. Uh, yeah, it, it, I just imagine it as like a battleground where one army is pretty much routed the other one, and you're basically like, all right, well, just, let's not completely turn and run, but kind of hold them off. So we can get the hell out of here. But yeah. it's just it's an absolute slaughter. I mean, and s- I I can't imagine trying to to pass block when and at the same time saying yourself, what's the freaking point? The thing's over. Yeah. You know, at that point. And you know, you I saw it when Jordy Nelson. So in the in the second half. The Packers scored a couple of touchdowns. You know, Devontae Adams had a touchdown. Jordy Nelson had a touchdown. When Jordy Nelson caught that touchdown, you know, didn't celebrate, tossed the ball to the ref. Like, that was a real sign of where the game stood. And I think all of that was before the fourth quarter. I mean, ugh, I could only imagine being a 
member of that Packers team and going into that fourth quarter and having to actually go out there and play, you know, to add insult to injury to see TJ Lang go down, a guy who's a free agent who probably had a a possibly career-threatening knee injury going into the offseason in a game where you've already lost. I mean, it was just salt on the wound at that point. That's harsh. Now, um, is there anything else we need to pick apart about this game? The sad part was is it just wasn't that super close a game. If anything, it was just a showcase for the Falcons' offense and also for the Falcons' defense because, you know, we're going to sum this up because I think after we talk about the Packer, uh, the Steelers and the Patriots, we got to talk about a Super Bowl preview. I think I think the one point I want to point out, um, we can probably segue into our Super Bowl preview, actually, just in regards to running back. But um, I don't know if you want me to go now or favor for later, but I, I just want to point out one of the Packers' Achilles heel all season yeah. has been lack of a running game. And, yeah. I mean, time of formation did a, a, you know, an outstanding effort, a valiant effort, kind of keeping the legs under this thing. But it just really showed how important it is to have, you know, the ability to kind of manage, manage the time of possession. Yeah. And when you have a team like the Falcons, you can't give them opportunities to get back on the field when you're you're third and out so quickly, mm-hmm. and you this this friggin' battle tank back out there on the field. It, it's important to have a running back just to kind of temper and slow things down a little bit. But even then, it's just you let the Falcons get on top of you so early that it just changes the tide and it changes the offensive strategy of what you need to do to win. Mm-hmm. And I think. Be- it's one of the things that have to address in the offseason. Hopefully Eddie Lacy can like, come back and have an actually healthy and full season. Yeah, and and I believe Ty Montgomery, I think he left in this game. Um, yeah, he got hurt. He got, um, I don't know if it was a serious injury or a stinger, but he's been kind of taking his bumps and bruises throughout the playoffs. I mean, I'm pretty sure that's what predicated the Packers to run the ball with Aaron Ripkowski because I think he was the only healthy running back at that point, and he fumbled the ball. He had a great run. It was a great run. He had a first down. He got into the red zone, and then just an amazing play. I think it was Jalen Collins who stripped him. Just this brilliant, brilliant play where he stripped the ball right out of his hands, and, I mean, that's what you get when you're running with the third running back. (laughs) I mean, just, uh, you know, look, it's been a magical run for the Packers, and we've said it a million times. They should not be here. Yeah. And all of a sudden, it's kind of like you're dancing – the music is loud, the drinks are good, you know, and all of a sudden, <laughs> and you're out in the street in the, in the back alley, your, your wallet's gone, you've just been absolutely mugged. You know, it has to end sometime. Yeah, you're sitting there looking for your keys, you're try- yeah. you, you can't find your phone, and there's a bouncer that's like, dude, you're not on the list. You got blindsided, you thought you were in it, you thought you were in it for life, and you come to find out you're back to being, you know, Clark Kent, you're not Superman anymore. <laughs> Well, uh, Superman certainly duped me because I was picking the Packers in this. I was picking the Packers to go all the way, but uh, I'm sorely wrong. There's a very poignant moment. Um, There's probably a YouTube video somewhere where they're interviewing Aaron Rodgers, and he gets a little emotional where he talks about just being appreciative of Jordy Nelson playing despite the injury. He builds up a little bit, and it's... It's kind of a bittersweet sweet moment. Just you know, Aaron Rodgers, such an outstanding, you know, just a stand-up guy. Classy. And just share him, you know, just just uh, take a moment to just kind of acknowledge the guys that fought alongside him within the, in the losing battle. Yeah, and and going as far as they did, man. I mean, hey, you cannot take away the fact that they slayed the dragon of the Dallas Cowboys this season. Yeah, and no one's gonna forget. 
while. No, we are not. Um, all right, let's shift to the Patriots and the Steelers. Uh, this was less of a blowout. I, I don't even know if I can characterize it as a blowout, as more of a convincing win by the Patriots. Um, yeah. I was very disappointed by the Steelers in this game. I, I was really disappointed by their game plan. I was really disappointed by the way they came out. I just I just thought Mike Tomlin was going to prep this team a little bit better than he did. Uh, to see them come out in zone defense and to see Tom Brady just pick them apart like a surgeon. I mean, he did whatever the hell he wanted to do, and then he turned Chris Hogan into Julio Jones. There was a few plays where, I mean, Chris Hogan was wide open. Absolutely inexcusable coverage. And, I mean, if you're trying to do that in New England, in Gillette Stadium, in Foxborough against Tom Brady, I mean, what what was... Okay, we know Levy and Bell went down. So it's, for those of you out there, Levy and Bell, who pretty much should have been the, the X factor for the entire Steelers offense, went down with a groin injury in like the first quarter. He tried to come back and he played one snap. He clearly didn't have any burst. He sat out the rest of the game. D'Angelo Williams comes in. What... Was that? Did they lose the game before that injury or after that injury? Because part of me suspects that they lost that game before that injury. What are you thinking, Shaka? What did you see? Well, I'm going to take a step back to one word that you took, you, you put out there, and, and in context, it's absolutely everything, and that's the game plan. Yeah. Uh, pardon my French, but what in fucking fucks? God, what was going on? What the hell were the Steelers doing? What the hell were they doing? When he came out and decided that we're going to play a zone defense, I feel like there were times where I was watching it and I was like, you might as well make these jerseys green. Because oh, I feel like watching a fourth quarter game where the Jets are up by a field goal and they're just letting Tom Brady come down the field and have his way. Dude. It was kind of a, it was just a slow crawl towards the inevitable like just touchdown where it's that's the one thing you don't do. Mm-hmm. At least Alex Tom Brady, you don't you don't rush four and drop seven and hope that he doesn't pick you apart because that's exactly what he's going to do. Yeah. Belichick schemes for this all the time. Yes. All they do in practice is run this drill. You know, and you're absolutely right. Chris Hogan had pretty much identical numbers to Julio Jones. I think two touchdowns, 180 yards receiving. 180 yards receiving. 180 and, yards point, receiving for, for Chris Hogan. It's inexcusable. I mean, inexcusable. It just To see what the Houston Texans did the week before, to see them get pressure on Tom Brady, to see them get you know collapse the pocket, to see them force him out, and to not have the, the Steelers take anything from that. Like, you didn't learn anything from that game against the Texans. Like, they didn't get any pressure on Brady. I mean, they weren't oh, disrupting wondering. his timing at all. I wonder if they were worried that they just didn't have the personnel to pull it off. But still, I mean, you've got some pretty decent secondary in Pittsburgh. But at the same time, you, it's just absolutely vital. Tom Brady, as great as he is a quarterback, is not the most mobile quarterback. And no. you have to focus on that. You know, you have to disrupt his timing. You've mm-hmm. got to get back. you got to put some pressure on him. you got to get him mobile. you got to get him moving because he's not the same quarterback mm-hmm. when he has to use his legs. He's not Aaron Rodgers. No. So, you know, it's, it's, it's fundamentally as sound as that. And you try it. And you pressure him, and you put the blitz on him. I mean, it's one of the things that the Jets actually did very well. Yeah. You know, even when Rex Ryan was coach, was that he never, he never hesitated to put the pressure on the blitz. He mm-hmm. forced the defense to adapt to a Jets. Because there were games where the Jets would win. They had no fucking business winning games. 
but they did just enough to neutralize Tom Brady's effectiveness throwing the ball. Yeah. And I see what kind of personnel to do that. I just don't think they really believed in that game plan wise. And then on the other turn, Le'Veon Bell, unfortunate, you know, because he's been pretty much Jesus for them in the playoffs. And Ben Roethlisberger has not been himself. I don't know if this is father time kind of catching up or he's just having, he's in a funk. But when Le'Veon Bell went down, you're right. I think the game was already over. Or at least the the writing was on the wall in terms of where we were going to end up with this. I I mean, I certainly think the Steelers got a couple of bad breaks. You know, that that touchdown pass to to Jesse James where they called it back and put him on the one-yard line, or really the half-yard line, and then they lost four yards and had to kick a field goal. I mean, that was... You know, that's a situation where they couldn't come away with four point or with a touchdown. And I mean, that might be a situation where you're looking at saying maybe if Levy and Bell was in the game, we would have come away with seven points. And that's Belichick's forte. I, I, I think at times this season, maybe the entire season, they really haven't given that Patriots defense its due credit. Mm-hmm. But as that field gets shorter and shorter and you get closer to the red zone, I, you know, it comes down to almost well, Belichick is this, there's just the genius where it's just it's fundamental football. You're yeah. playing with a shorter field. Your defenders don't have as much space that they need to run and cover and defend. So you really tie it up. And Belichick is a guy who plays zone defense as needed. He can play zone defense mm-hmm. as you get close to the red zone. He forces you to kind of throw it in there. And he challenges you to thread the needle and get that touchdown. So, of course, when Jesse James got that call back and, you know, they had to move the ball back, now you've got to got you got to zing it in there, you know. And it, that's probably where Belichick fell. He dares you dares you to kind of to make it happen. And then most scenarios with the Patriots, teams end up kicking field goals in the red zone because they cannot close. Yeah, you know, this also makes me think about depth. You know, we just talked about how if Levy and Bell, if if he was on the field, maybe he would have been able to punch it in. And you're you're absolutely right. Belichick is good in the red zone. You know, he's good with that red zone D. It's every inch is going to be tough to earn on Belichick's teams. Um, yeah. But the depth was lacking with Pittsburgh. It's so funny we say this because we talk about how they have Levy and Bell, one of the best running backs in the league. They've got Antonio Brown, one of the best wide receivers in the league. But you started to see such a drop-off after those guys. Like, D'Angelo Williams wasn't bad, but he wasn't particularly good. He was serviceable in this game. Uh, he's not what he once was. I mean, I think... He really wasn't, no. Not, not the twilight per se, but he's a great... He's a great number with two running back to have, but he's not, no, he's not the same. No, and you saw the drop-off when he came in and started playing. After Antonio Brown, you started to see the drop-off in wide receivers, like Sammy Coates. I think there was a long pass to Sammy Coates that he didn't catch. Uh, Eli Rogers had a really costly fumble. I mean, they were struggling to find people to connect with, and, you know, at the end of the game, the only person who caught a touchdown pass from Ben Roethlisberger was... Kobe Hamilton, right? The the tight end? Yeah, I did. that one was off. At that point in the game, I, I kind of, my attention kind of drifted. That, 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 that's okay. That's You're not missing anything. Listen, when Tom Brady threw a wide-open touchdown pass to Julian Edelman, I, I mean, and they went up 33-9, to I mean, at that point, you could pretty much just, you know, start, I mean, I mean, you, you I, could turn the game off and turn on a rerun of, 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 of <laughs> cheers at that point. It was, I, 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 again, and I, I feel a little bit kind of in between on my, my frustrations because I think of Mike Tomlin as a great coach. And I do, I, too. At this, at this, at there was times where I, I, all the criticism about him being not, you know, n- not worthy of having a starting coach position, 
I thought that was ridiculous. But, you know, I, I think there's one thing about him. The consistency doesn't always lead to, I would say, improvement. Like, I, you know, if you're a coach that can make the playoffs every year, you make adjustments. And I think he, he had this he, he almost like an arrow. He had this one focus. He was going that way no matter what the conditions were. Mm-hmm. I think I think that bit them in the ass. Right? You know, yeah. you go in half and you look and you see what's working and what's not and you make adjustments. I don't know if they just didn't have the personnel in the secondary to do that, but God, it's worth a shot. Like you, you got to kind of, you need a game break. You need to change things up. You need to kind of throw them off because the Patriots, they're going to chip away with whatever works. You better believe it. They're going to do it. And Julian Edelman's had seasons where he's had a hundred catches because that's what the Patriots do. They'll chip away six yards, seven yards, 11, 14, three yards, four yards. They don't care. They'll yeah. do that. They'll do whatever works. You know, and if it doesn't work, they'll adjust and they'll adapt. They'll try something else. So just to see Mike Tomlin kind of stagnant and, you know, just throw throw his head up against his brick wall over and over and over again and not realize you can try to go around it, it was frustrating. It was very frustrating. Really frustrating. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about this Patriots offense. They're doing all of this without Rob Gronkowski. They're doing all of this. Let's not forget the fact that Deion Lewis was the star, had three touchdowns in that victory against the Houston Texans, but yet he was not really utilized all that much in this game. Look at the absolute, you know, the the depth that they have on this offense, the ability they have to come in with a different game plan and a different scheme depending on their opponent. I don't know if there's another coach in this league that game plans and schemes for the opponent they're playing against better than Bill Belichick, and it was on display this past weekend in Foxborough. And, I mean, the Patriots put on a show, and Tom Brady is like 39 years young. The guy can't even move, and they couldn't get any pressure on him. I'm I, so disappointed in Pittsburgh. So disappointed. I think you took it right there. I mean, just imagine, look at this roster from top to bottom. And you take these guys and you put all of these guys in another city, on another team, and you try to get those same results mm-hmm. from a different coach. You can't make those parts work. It's, it's, for me, it's just mind-boggling how Belichick schemes. These guys buy into it. And, uh, you, you know, again, it's just Malcolm Butler has been around forever. And I don't know if it's what we're, we're seeing now is a result of him just being a great fit to that Belichick scheme. Or if he's just a super talented defender, it, it, you know it, 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 it. That's a testament to Belichick. The guy's about to try and you know be the most winning Super Bowl coach in history. Tom Brady's going to his seventh, is number seven. I believe this is his seventh Super Bowl. Which is madness. I mean, that's football, that is absolute bonkers. Football to me is the hardest. It's the absolute hardest sport I think to have a dynasty, just because the longevity of players, you know, you've got such a short shelf life that you can have one quarterback and all these other parts be just interchangeable. You know, there's there's no Teddy Brewskis here. Nope. It's just... And and they're finding guys off the scrap heap. I mean, dude, Alan Branch was a guy that they pulled off the street. You know, I mean, he was a free... He he played great with Arizona, but they pulled him off the street. He's playing amazing football for the Patriots. Kyle Van Noy was a very cheap trade that they got from Detroit. Yeah. Eric Rowe yeah. was a, tre- a cheap secondary trade that they got from the Eagles. And these guys are playing meaningful minutes in the AFC Championship game. I, gee, what the hell are they putting in the water over there? Because I want some of it. 
you know what? I think, well, just one, obviously great coaching, but just having this one guy, you know, making sure that he's a great route runner and he follows the scheme and he doesn't try to improvise and create his own thing. And you basically you put your faith in the coach and you trust the process, which I shouldn't say trust the process to you. <laughs> but, you know, um, just, yeah, just have faith that he knows exactly what he's doing. And when you look at this and you see Chris Hogan wide open oh. so many times down the field against what's supposed to be a pretty solid defense, you know, I can understand why teams get frustrated when they face the Patriots because they shouldn't be this good. Those guys are no name. No. You know, unfortunately... But you know what? Their names have so much value in the Belichick team. Hey, man, I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to echo Bill Belichick when I say this right now. Do your job. Don't do the other guy's job. Don't try to help. Just do your job. That's the name of the game in in Belichick's system. And apparently the guys who can figure out to just do their job, they seem to fit in real well. Um, It's incredible. You know, look, as a Jets fan, for me to... To, to just put the platitudes and the accolades on the guy. I, I, I think at this point I've kind of become a little bit numb and a little shell-shocked at just accepting the sun rises in the east. You know, it, this is what it's supposed to be. Yeah. So, hats off to them. Hey, hats off to greatness, man. Whether whether they're your team or not, you got to give respect to one of the greatest franchises that's, I mean, one of the greatest teams, coaches, quarterbacks we've ever seen. Let's go yeah. right into the Super Bowl here. So we're talking about the New England Patriots Bill Belichick and Tom Brady now going to their seventh Super Bowl, and I believe this is probably the ninth Super Bowl appearance for the Patriots as a whole. They went to two others before those guys showed up, uh, and they lost in dramatic fashion in both of those games. Um, Atlanta Falcons, this will be their second Super Bowl appearance in franchise history. The last time they were there was 20 years ago when they uh, beat the one of the top scoring offenses in the 1998 Minnesota Vikings with Randy Moss and Chris Carter. That's right, that Falcons team. That was the Falcons team that beat them. That really dates me. God, I'm old. Dude, it's it's okay. It's <laughs> we're both we're both old. I'm right there with you. I remember that game, man. Was that yeah. Dirty Bird? That was totally the Dirty Bird, man. That was. Uh, I think that was John Elway's last game. That was when he won the second straight Super Bowl. Amazing. Yeah. Wow. Funny how things, uh, it takes this long to, you know, you got to appreciate whenever a team goes to a Super Bowl because you know what? Not every team is the Patriots. This is a rare occasion for most franchises. Yeah, you never know, man. That's a good point. Dude, you never know. So um, let's uh, let's preview this game. Let's talk about it just a little bit. Um, Falcons, Patriots. Uh, Falcons clearly have one of the most explosive offenses we've seen in a long time. Let's just come right out. Let's deal with this one. Can the Patriots defense slow down this Falcons offense, and if they're going to, how do you think it's going to happen? Well, if I can be completely honest with you. Go ahead. This is probably going to be my hardest call to make the entire season we've been doing this podcast. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's really fucking difficult, and I've like kind of poured over it. And I've, I think over the course of me pouring over it is where I've developed so much respect for the actual Patriots defense and just their flexibility. Mm-hmm. You know, the ability to kind of shift and adapt and adjust. You know, and this is where it comes into where I was talking before about, the, you know, Belichick being able to kind of utilize that short field as it gets shorter and just kind of change up the matchup, change up the looks you're getting, you know, not giving you the same thing two or three times so you can adjust and figure out what guys are doing in assignment. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and it, it it creates opportunities where you're like, how do they get these turnovers? How is their fumble? How is the tip ball interception? It's because you know they're 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 creating the chaos. Mm-hmm. They don't necessarily, you know, it's almost. And imagine you're camping and as a bear and you shout, you know, you make yourself bigger than you actually are. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's perception, but, it, you know, it goes a long way for this defense, you know. And, I, I, again, the Falcons, look, the Falcons are a team that can come down the field and they can score you really quickly. Yeah. If Belichick can somehow find a way to get them in his sweet spot, mm-hmm. in that red zone, and give Matt Ryan trouble, you know, kind of finding, you know, the new or Julio Jones open. And we know they've got all these weapons on earth, but yeah. if they can kind of get them in their playhouse and force them to just go for field goals, that's a victory to me. Look, yeah. you get Falcons to take field goals instead of scoring touchdowns. You know, I'll scratch it off as a W. You, you, granted, you try to get them to turn the ball over, but if you, just, you settle for a field goal, you take that and you try to go back down the field and score a touchdown. You know, so the, the, that's one small strategy for the Patriots if they're trying to win this thing. On the other side, the Falcons, you got to score fast because we know the Patriots are good. They've got great, you know, great offense in terms of just being able to throw the football. And you got Garrett Blunt. You got you got Deion Lewis who can run the football. They will try to score first, and they'll try to dominate the time of possession. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. It's um. I don't know. I don't know what what, what you got. What your insight is on this one? I, actually, who do you laugh at it? Ah, uh, well, I'm I'm still thinking about it because my my gut instinct is telling me that the, I think the Falcons are going to win this game. I say this for a couple of reasons. I know the Patriots are the Patriots, and I know that they've won just a couple of years ago. But I also recall the fact that they were darn close to losing that Super Bowl. And I also know that the last two Super Bowls they were in was against the New York Giants, and they lost both of those Super Bowls. And the big difference between the most recent Super Bowls that the Patriots have been in and the first three that they won with Tom Brady was the defense. The defense in 01, 03, and 04 was magnificent. I mean, Teddy Bruschi, Rodney Harrison, Richard Seymour, I mean, these guys were world-beating defensive players. And I think that 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 was a major reason why they came away with those victories. The, yeah, reasons, right. the reason I think they lost against the Giants, now granted, 07 was a shocker, but in 2011, I picked the Giants to beat them, and it wasn't a surprise when they did. Um, I think one of the biggest reasons was their defense was not the same. Now, Tom Brady's offense improved, and he, you know, 01, 03, Tom Brady wasn't like a Hall of Fame breathtaking quarterback. He was just good, he was clutch, and he was a game winner. Now... You know, 07, he threw 50 touchdowns. You know, you know, 2011, you know, ever since then, he's been a, you know, a top-tier quarterback. And that this year is no different. Now, I see their dif- their defense this year. And we, we were just talking about this. Patriots defense, they've been effective. They've improved over the course of the season. In some regards, they're very similar to the Falcons defense in that sense. You know, this has been the season of forgettable defenses, okay? I still think I still think the best defense that was in the playoffs was the New York Giants, and they're gone. And they, they're out quickly. Yeah, they got bumped pretty fast by a team that we just saw get annihilated by the Falcons. Now, you put that you put us in this situation where all defenses are kind of equal, where everybody is sort of average to maybe a little bit better than average. That means everybody has an opportunity to either succeed or not succeed. Because as good as the Falcons' offense was against the Packers, I watched that game again, or at least I watched some of the highlights again. There were two very close interceptions that Matt Ryan threw. He nearly threw an interception in the red zone that the Packers' defender dropped. 
And then he had another near interception that the Packers defender just dropped. Now, those are moments where I think Bill Belichick's going to see opportunity. He's going to scheme with some nickel defenses. He's going to bring in an additional secondary. He's going to try to get Matt Ryan and that Falcons offense to fall into a trap here or there. That's where I see opportunities for this Patriots defense in this game, where I see them being able to get under the skin of the Falcons offense. Because this season, Falcons offense had a few clunkers. I mean, I saw them lose to my Philadelphia Eagles. You know, I saw them lose a couple of, you know, pretty embarrassing games this year where the defense was able to get to Matt Ryan, get him to make some mistakes, you know, and uh, and, and and actually slow down this sort of high-powered offense. Now, the thing that makes me want to say that the Falcons are probably going to win this game is because I certainly think this Falcons defense is going to surprise some people. I think they're going to surprise the Patriots' offense. I don't think they're going to fall into the same trap that the Steelers' D fell into. I think they're going to be a little bit smarter about this. I give a lot of credit to head coach Dan Quinn, used to be the defensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Granted, the Falcons' offense hasn't looked exactly like the Seahawks' offense of a couple of years ago, but it's still pretty nasty. And I see them bringing pressure on Tom Brady. I see them being ready for some of the things that Bill Belichick's going to throw at them. I don't see Chris Hogan blowing up. I don't see Julian Edelman blowing up. I see them actually trying to manage time of possession on their end. And I kind of think you might get into a situation where Falcons put up two quick touchdowns and then you see them trying to grind the rest of the game out. And I think that you're going to see the pressure being put on Tom Brady and the Patriots. I don't know if they're going to have as many tricks up their sleeve. I don't I don't see it happening just because I... I mean... For, for a game where you're going to have two middling defenses, the one that's kind of impressing me right now is the Falcons. And I think there's going to be a Malcolm Butler-type play by the Falcons defense that's going to turn this in the final seconds, and I think the Falcons are going to come out with it. That's where, I'm, that's where I am right now. I think I'm going to have to lean with you on this one. I, I'm also going to go probably Falcons on it, just because uh, I, as great as a schemer, Belichick is. We know going in, and he's done a great job of this. Not just in the playoffs, just in general, throughout the season. He, he one of his focuses going in is to lock down your marquee, your star player. Mm-hmm. You know, away from what he does best. But we obviously know Julio Jones is, you know, public enemy number one. Yeah. In this regard, so I don't know. That. I don't know if he's going to be able to shut down Julio Jones. I don't. I don't well, know. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, 
they can suffocate. They can double team Julio Jones. They can put the, they can put Malcolm Butler on Mohamed Sanu. But that is not going to stop them from throwing to Levine Toilolo or Patrick DeMarco or Austin Hooper or Justin Hardy or Taylor Gabriel. Or maybe we just decide to throw it into the flat to, te- to Tevin Coleman. Uh, I mean, forget, yeah, exactly. Let's not forget how good those two running backs are at catching the football. They wanted them up in the flat as wide receivers. They do it all the time. Yeah. They're good at They're really fucking good. I've seen Tevin Coleman destroy the Denver Broncos catching deep passes like a wide receiver. Mm-hmm. They can do it. It's entirely possible they just put too many guys on the line. You have too many assignments, and they like to do those trips lineups where we have two or three wide receivers stacked right on top of each other. Mm-hmm. And when they up the line, good luck trying to figure out what your assignment is when they split in different ways. And especially so, when you see Kyle Shanahan, he'll give you the same look. He'll give you the exact yeah. same look and then run a completely different play. So, I, 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 look, this is going to be one of probably one of my favorite things about this game. Is just doing the analysis and the breakdown. It's almost like a chess game between the coordinators of them trying to figure out and scheme for moves they think are going to happen. So I'm, I'm curious to see how the Patriots game plan for Kyle Shanahan and how much and how effective they can be at neutralizing just the depth of his uh, his play uh, play calling. Yeah. It's going to be fun to watch. I mean, you've got the talent on both ends to make things happen. It's just... The question is, who's going to outmove any other? And we'll see it. I mean, look, you'll see it when you get Julio Jones wide open or you get Muhammad Sanu having a monster game. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, he's picking up the slack that the Patriots give him. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that mental battle goes. Yeah, I'm, I really think the Falcons' defense, like I said, they're going to, sh- they're going to be showcased in this game. I think that, uh, to some regard, I've been looking. You know, I'm kind of looking at the AFC playoff picture, and I'm like, I don't really know if the Patriots have played anybody of merit. I mean, they essentially beat the Houston Texans and the Pittsburgh Steelers to get to this Super Bowl. And yeah, we're being realistic. They had a soft ass regular season schedule. It yeah. You know, I mean, listen, I don't want to discount what they're doing. It's no, you know, you can't ever stick your nose up at the fact that they got to the Super Bowl. But I'm just looking at it kind of being like, I don't know. Did they really, how hard was their road to the Super Bowl? And, you know, the Atlanta Falcons, you know, they didn't play the Dallas Cowboys. They didn't play the New York Giants. They played the Seahawks and the Packers, who are certainly nobody to, you know, stick your nose up at, to use the same term again. Um, but the Packers the Packers and the Seahawks were not what they've been in the past couple of years. So the Falcons had a little bit of a soft schedule to the Super Bowl as well. But I just think the Falcons have got more raw ability. Like, or not raw ability, but they've built more of a season. Like, this offense has been an evolution from last year. Like, Kyle Shanahan showed up last year and he's been implementing this playbook you know, for a while now, and now it is clicking on all cylinders. They've been yeah. remarkably healthy, and the defense is coming on right when it needs to be. Whereas, listen, Bill Belichick and the Patriots, they're going to do what they do. They're going to make it hard for the Falcons, absolutely. Tom Brady's going to have his moment during the Super Bowl, absolutely. But I just think that those huge plays and those key playmakers they're going to be on the side of Atlanta and not on the side of New England. Maybe that's a gut thing, but, I mean, that's where I'm leaning. I think they can still do it. I think New England still has the personnel to kind of be, uh, you know, varied in their own special way. Oh, absolutely. I, I, I just don't know if they'll be able to keep up that pace. And that's really what it's going to come, kind of come down to. I mean, you know, we've been talking about middling defenses there. And it's just going to be pacing and who can kind of keep this up the longest and who can kind of outthink each other. Yeah. You know, and it might just come down to 
if you get a, a sizable enough of a lead, you get the ball to Devonta Freeman or to LeGarrette Blunt, and you kind of just you play keep away. You just try to stave off, you know, the the, the coming horde. Mm-hmm. It, it's gonna be it's gonna be you know. Look, we're not expecting defenses to pull this out. This becomes a defensive game, man. Oh man, I'm gonna pass my hands through the hair I do not have. <laughs> and how this how this came to be from the two the most dangerous offenses we've seen this season. God, it's not gonna be a defensive battle. This will not be a defensive battle. I think I can I can bet money on that. <laughs> all right, it's, um, it's probably gonna come down. All right, and look, that's gonna be where the fun is. If this comes out to a fourth quarter, to sprint where it's just touchdown for touchdown, you know, and just who can kind of keep it up and who fumbles. I am I am excited because I think this is going to be I think this is going to prove to be a great game. I do not think this will be the Broncos Seahawks Super Bowl of a few years ago, which was an absolute blowout shellacking. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, last thing before before we decide to sign off here, I'm picking the Atlanta Falcons to win the Super Bowl. Shaka, who you got? I got the Falcons, man. I'm going to say a touch, one touchdown. Okay. Okay. I like that. I like that. All right. Before I start signing us off, I've got a special announcement for everybody. I just want to give a shout out to my boy Shaka and say happy almost birthday. That's right. Shaka's birthday is this Friday, everybody. For those of you for those of you out there, you should give a shout out to Shaka on Facebook or wherever you'd like to connect to us and just give us a, give him a holler on a, on Friday. Wish him a happy birthday. Uh, also, Shaka will be um, traveling to Cuba, going to Cuba, right? Yes, that's correct. I shall be on a plane tomorrow. Nice. To, uh, to the the home of Fidel Castro. Lovely, lovely. And uh, where, so you're? Is it like a? Tell me, is that a direct flight? Do you fly from here to Havana? How does that work? It is a direct flight. Things are changing slowly in the uh, in the global landscape. So um, yeah, there's still kind of got these like hoops and hurdles you jump through in terms of your reasons for travel. But honest to God, it's like a Google search, guys. That it's a cheap flight. The cheap trip, and it, you know, I'm really looking for it, so I'm I'm really excited about it. That's awesome, man. We'll take some pictures for us, and uh, you know, uh, enjoy your your week off as everyone is having the bye week. I'm sure all the teams are trying to heal as they get prepared for the Super Bowl. Um, yeah. So I wanted to say happy birthday to our amazing co-host Shaka. Shaka, I also wanted to share with you some very very important news. Are you ready? Are you sitting down? I am sitting down. I'm going to the Super Bowl. You are going, you son of a bitch. It's official. I got word today. Going to the Super Bowl. Dude, that's awesome. Why did you wait so long to tell me that? I just, you know, I didn't want to steal the thunder of the show. You know how it works, man. That was not steal the thunder. That's awesome. That changes, like, the whole landscape here. This is a great Super Bowl to go to, man. I'm really happy for you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited as well. I'm more happy about that than about my own fucking birthday. I'm really excited for you. Well, thanks, man. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna be trying to do as much stuff as I can in relation to the show. I want to see if I can do some live feeds from the Super Bowl before the game. I want to see if I can do some uh, some podcasts leading up to the Super Bowl as well. I'm sure for everyone out there listening, I'll be in coordination with Shaka. I'll see if the two of us can do a show, uh, maybe the week of or the day before or something. We'll figure something out. But um, yeah, that'll be awesome, dude. My uh, so uh, um, my brother-in-law Aaron. He uh, he gave me the call today. He said he just got word from his buddy at Fox. He got an email from Fox and NFL saying we got the tickets for you. You can pick them up at the box office. He gave me the shout. He said it's going down. I made my travel arrangements and uh, I will be I'm at NRG going, Stadium. You're going with Aaron? You and Aaron are going together. It's going to be me, Aaron, and uh, and uh, Aaron's mom, my mother-in-law, because she's a big football fan. 
Nice. That's awesome. And uh, right now we're actually he he might have one other person coming with us. He's he's still getting back to me on that, but uh, okay. you know that that went down. It it was not confirmed, but today it got confirmed. That's right. This will be the first Super Bowl I'm ever attending. Dude, that's crazy. That's 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 awesome. That's awesome news. Dude, I'm I'm uh I'm excited. I'm I'm glad you're excited. I'm glad I'm I wanted to share it with you. It was very very exciting to to find out. Um, I'm definitely going to be taking lots and lots of pictures and uh, doing some stuff for the podcast. So I can guarantee yeah. you, you will, you may not be there in physical representation, but you will be there in spirit shock. I can assure you. Guys, this is like a really good two weeks going on for both of us. There, I yeah. mean, it's awesome. dude. This is a uh, this this is a good time, man. We love football here on Sam Sports Podcast, and uh, I hope you guys do too. Because uh, uh, I'm going to try to bring you as much of the Super Bowl as I can. Uh, through me. Um, that's all I got. Though. I was like, yeah, like, "That's a dramatic pause." What? What just happened? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> just, just adding some weight. Just adding some tension to it. <laughs> I mean, look, that—that's through the roof. I, I don't. I don't need any more. Suspense. I mean, I'm. I'm probably gonna actually put some uh, some live video feeds up there. Dude, absolutely. This is. The, I'm. I, 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 I must live vicariously for you on this one. Now that like I know it's going down, I'm gonna like start making plans for like ways to promote it and trying to take advantage of it. Just because it's it's a once in a lifetime opportunity, man. Awesome. That's fucking awesome. Well, thank you. I'm uh, I'm glad to share it with you, and I'm I'm just uh, it's good to have somebody to share it with. Um. All right, uh, that's all for the show today. Everybody, thanks for listening. As always, you can uh, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Uh, like my Facebook page, Sam Sports Station. Follow me on Twitter at SmithFaceJones. Follow me on Instagram at Sam Sports Station. Email Shaka and I with any opinions you have about the Super Bowl, or if you want me to give a shout-out to anybody while I'm at the Super Bowl, my email address is samsportsstation at gmail.com, S-M-A-S-S-P-O-R-T-S-S-T-A-T-I-O-N at gmail.com. On that note, we are going to get out of here, and sadly, this is probably going to be the last couple of podcasts you hear, I mean, for a bit, because once the Super Bowl's over, I'm going to do a complete shift to the NBA. We're going to start talking some basketball, baby. Um, oh, yeah. That's right. You know, man, listen, football ends. It does not mean the sports world ends. That just means we shift to b-ball, because uh, with the all-star break coming up, we're hitting the halfway point in the season. We got a lot of things to talk about with the NBA, and uh, you know what? Tom Brady, LeBron James, they're just as exciting to watch, in my own opinion. That's just me. Awesome. Um, um, go ahead, Chuck. As always, guys, you know, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Greatly, greatly, greatly honored to have you all here experiencing this with us. Um, it's bittersweet. But yeah, if you guys have any questions or uh, your own predictions, you can always send them, send them our way. We're always happy to hear it and analyze and see your perspective. Because, look, we're, we love football, but you know what? You might have a completely fresh and new view on it. Yeah, and we want to hear you. I mean, half the fun is being able to just talk about it and hear different opinions. That's, I mean, Shaka yeah, exactly. and I love it when we don't pick the same person on a team. Exactly. I, I like when Sam throws that fucking curveball. And I'm like, I don't think I can hit that one. God damn it. You got me. It's like, it's like yeah, that's, that's, that's why it takes two to tango, baby. <laughs> All right, but that's all we got for today on Sam Sports Podcast. As always, thanks for listening. You guys are the best. We couldn't do it without you. It would just be two of us talking on a phone, chatting about football, but it becomes a little bit more real when everybody starts tuning in. So thanks a lot, everyone. Thank you, guys. 
All right, we're out of here. We're turning into some pumpkins, but we will be back to talk some Super Bowl. There's plenty of time before it, and there's going to be a lot of buildup. Uh, as always, thanks for listening. We love you guys. Hope you enjoyed the football season, and uh, we'll be back next year to talk more football. And in the meantime, come back uh, to Sam Sports Podcast to listen to some b-ball. But on that note, I'm out of here, guys. Peace out. Bye, guys.